and good morning. Uh, good morning, Panda. Yeah, good morning, man. Um, yeah, we are recording uh, in the morning for once, which is nice. So it's not like extremely late in the evening, which is good for the ambience, but not good for um, when I'm feeling a little bit tired. Um, so it's nice to be uh, recording during the day as we uh, dive back in to Call of Cthulhu. And this, of course, is RPG Quest, uh, the podcast where we don't play D&D. My name is Chris, your host and keeper. And as I mentioned, uh, joining me for this scenario is Panda, a.k.a. Brendan, a.k.a. Detective Jack Cassidy. Yep. Hyped to, hyped to be back. I'm so curious about where we left off last time. Let's see how that plays out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been, um, well, it's been a wild, I guess, 24 little over 24 hours for our uh, for our detective um, where we last left off you were sitting there in a, a drunken stupor you'd fallen asleep at your desk kind of trying to cope with the events of the the previous day and your encounter with um, the mysterious and terrifying Papa Screech and uh, as you dozed off yeah you were awoken by a sound of movement in the hallway and as you ran out to find out who it was you didn't see anyone but as you return back to the uh, the apartment, you notice two things. First, a, a deadly snake that had been left with you, a warning perhaps, and um, painted on the front door is uh, a little yellow sign, another ominous warning. Uh, I'm going to do a, a little bit of housekeeping, actually. Because it's been 24 hours since you had your, your little tumble, uh, the previous, uh, late in the previous evening at the All warehouse... Right. Uh, you're going to heal back one hit point as your, uh, you know, your bruises and sprains begin to heal from that tumble down the stairs. Yeah, the, the pratfall <laughs> that went wrong. <laughs> yeah, the pratfall that went wrong. <laughs> um, and the second thing is, how much of your total sanity have we lost so far? Um, seven, I believe. Yeah, seven. I've lost seven of my sanity. Seven. Okay, great. I'm going to ask as we kick things off for one final sanity roll as you sort of have just shot this snake and you see this yellow sign in this door and you're back alone in this apartment with no one around you. Absolutely. Just to see how Jack is coping. Oof, 46 versus 43. That's a failure. It's a way to start the, the session. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. Uh, roll me a D3 as well, if you can, please. Absolutely. That's a one. All right. Just one point of sanity loss down to 42. See, not in the grips of madness yet. You're, you're coping. Stressed. It's whittling away, but... um. You're hanging in there. Yeah, I feel like the more things have unfolded, kind of the more he's leaning into that as well, which is which has been interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this Monday evening, um, I imagine you, Jack Cassidy, locks the doors and uh, curls up to to go to sleep once more, to sleep through into the morning. Yeah, I think even before he does that, he's probably, like, so riled up from what has just happened. Um, yeah, assuming there's, like, I don't know, a 
pickle jar or something in the the fridge. He'll pour everything out, put the snake in that jar, <laughs> you know, make sure it's sealed up. Oh yeah, um, and put all of his investigative notes like up and kind of take one one last look of it. Try to exhaust himself as he drinks and just stares at everything uh, before he probably finally passes out. I, I assume it might be an hour or two doing that. Yeah, no problem. I guess give me one um, before you go to sleep. A final intelligence roll. If you're studying your notes. All right. Oh, yeah. 32 versus 70. That's a hard success. Great. Yeah, so all signs seem to point to um, point to Randall Fowler and his relationship with Papa Screech. And thinking about reading the play, I think you kind of maybe begin p- even pinning up, as you pin up these notes and these people um, of importance, um, you maybe sort of everything sort of surrounds him and as you sort of begin overlaying different characters with um, different characters from the play themselves, and you know that um, in this uh, in this play, that uh, when the king, this king in yellow, the king of Carcosa, the true king, returns and takes the throne, you know that he needs like some kind of avatar to return. And the only thing that you can think of is perhaps that this Randall Fowler himself is going to be the uh, the avatar of the king in yellow. Yeah, I, I think those kind of thoughts would still catch Jack off guard a bit. Like, he fully, you know, as it, even as it's coming from his own mind, he's like, this is what I think is happening, but then would, like, second-guess himself, like, fucking Vessel's avatars. What has happened to me? Like, what am I, what am I even doing with all <laughs> yeah. of this? And uh, the, 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 I guess the second figure that has all these notes around it is Papa Screech himself. He did a little drawing of him, which I imagine is pinned up on the wall. All things kind of tie back to this, this previous cult 20 years ago and what happened down in the swamps. And uh, maybe you think about that and think about perhaps um, investigating, you know, the swamp communities to see if they know any sort of final things that you can piece together. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think he's probably becoming pretty hyper-focused on, on Papa Screech. <laughs> so. Mm. so, yeah, you drift off to sleep and uh, awake the next Tuesday. You're not sure how late you slept in, but um, when you're awoken, it's daylight and you can hear the festivities, parades, Mardi Gras, you know, kicking into gear outside out the window down in the streets below. Yeah. Uh, Jack rolls off the couch, probably pours himself some coffee and a hefty, nice, uh, top it off with the flask. Uh, sits around for a minute, clears his head, looks at all of his like notes again and grabs, I think the book. Uh, I'm going to keep that with me now uh, in his camera, his normal gear. It'll head out. And yeah, I, I think he is, Again, I I don't think he wants to approach Fowler before the, the party because he doesn't want to fuck the whole thing. Um, but yeah, the thought about finding out more about Screech and what happened in the swamps is, is definitely going to overtake his interest. Yeah, of course. So are you going to uh, use the morning to head down towards the, the swamp communities in the south? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess take my photos from all the files that I got in the police station. Yeah, no problem. 
So you take, you know, the, the copies and stuff and of everything that you got from the police files about the event that happened in uh, 07 and um, drive down south towards the, the swamp communities. You know, you arrive at this area of rundown houses and buildings in the swamps there. Now uh, you can already see out in the morning a few um, a few fishermen and trappers sort of getting to work as you as you pull up and they all stop what they're doing to look at this uh, I guess this fancy black sedan pulling up. Yeah, um, I mean especially if they all stop to, to look at the uh, the car pulling through. Um, who is the oldest? Like who looks like they've they've been around the longest stepping out of the car? Uh, give me a spot hidden. All right. Oh, that's a 91 versus 50. That's a fail. You don't see anyone uh, too old at this point. You know, you see a few young, sort of healthy-looking uh, fishermen and trappers. Um, you know, this really humid as you step out of the car. There's, you know, mud roads, these hanging tapestries of uh, Spanish moss. Um, but you do hear some uh, some music and singing sort of coming from, you know, some shacks beyond... So you hear a bit of harmonica and you hear this old voice, like, you know, singing a, an old uh, Cajun song. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I don't think Jack's too concerned with, like, the social niceties of just walking up to somebody's house that he doesn't know. <laughs> like, hey, what are y'all doing? Um, so, yeah, follow the, uh, follow the music. Yeah, give me, um, I guess as you just begin to, to walk in, give me an appearance roll, please. Oh, five versus 40, extreme success. <laughs> this is probably going to work uh, in reverse. Rather than, um, you know, looking to smick and making everyone uncomfortable and weary of you, perhaps the sort of the, the lingering smell of alcohol... The, the worn, sad look on your face and kind of the desperation. People kind of, you know, see this weighing heavily on your shoulders and kind of give you a few nods as you walk in. They don't see you as trouble. Yeah, that's ideal. Um, yeah, again, I don't think he's going to, like, interrupt anybody or anything. He'll, you know, stand towards the back. Uh, like, what's going on in this room? Is it just a bunch of people getting together? having a party or is it like a service of some kind or there's a few people just sitting out um you know there's a fire going in the sort of the morning um and there's some some food cooking above it and yeah people are just sort of sitting around playing some music and you see that this group are um are a little bit older yeah see a few older gentlemen sitting around like with fiddles harmonicas and stuff yeah all right um I guess. Hmm. Is this is somebody's home or is it like a like a small like a gathering place, or restaurant? These uh these are homes. Yeah, they these are sort of um uh you know little wooden houses, kind of on stilts and you know little islands and stuff, kind of throughout the swamps here. All right. Yeah, because that definitely changes the tack you would take. Um. Yeah, I guess Jack tries to give like the the best uh legit smile he can i mean he's certainly especially the last couple days he's not exactly a happy guy but he's not trying to like fake anything either um he's just going with the the southern nicety he's seen multiple times since being here now 
Um, a little smile and look around and say, uh, oh, good morning. I'm, I'm sorry to bother y'all or uh, come up in your home. I just was hoping I could have a conversation with uh, possibly even a few of you. Now, now I, I don't mean any trouble. No one here has done anything wrong to my knowledge, and I'm not here for that. I'm just looking into looking into something that happened down here a couple years back. Uh, the old guy closest to you just kind of looks and stares at you while you're speaking, and he's like, uh, bonjour. Uh, and he sort of looks at the other guy, and the other guy's like, uh, you, uh, you speak a lot. What is it you want? Yeah, I, I do tend to do that uh, when I'm concerned about making sure everybody's comfortable. Maybe I speak too much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a private investigator. I'm not with the police. Uh, but I'm investigating a matter that I believe might be tied to a uh, tragedy that happened down here involving a cult back in 07. Uh, the one who was sort of plucking on his fiddle while you were talking stops and they all, all the music kind of stops at that point. And then uh, they speak to each other a few words in French. They kind of look at each other. Uh, and then the one who was talking to you, it's like, oh, well, I think you might want to speak to Granny. Granny Goodrow. Okay. And uh, he sort of stands up and kind of straightens his clothes. He says, so you're not with the police? No, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not working with the police. It's a private matter. Okay. Well, no harm in talking. And um, he begins to, to lead you sort of further down, you know, through these stilted platforms and through these uh, little huts and stuff, um, through the swamps, uh, you know, uh, expertly stepping on the islands and as well, the parts where the, the wooden planks kind of end and uh, leads you down to a more sort of remote uh, cabin. A sort of one-room cabin on the edges of a, an isolated bayou. Yeah, I mean, Jack will follow not too closely, uh, but closely enough so that he doesn't end up in the in the bayou. Uh, yeah. Just kind of take everything in. And he uh, sticks his head through the door and sort of begins uh, shouting something in uh, French. And then he pops his head back out to look at you. So he sort of closes his eyes and, and nods for a few moments. And then puts up a finger. And then uh, you hear some sort of slow footsteps coming from the, the cabin towards the front door. And uh, you see this, uh, yeah, very elderly little old lady make her way into the into the doorframe. As she looks out at you and gives you a, uh, gives you a little smile. And uh, without speaking, she just uh, gestures you to, to come inside. Uh, thank you, ma'am. Good morning. And she just kind of nods, closes her eyes and nods and continues walking in, limping in and uh, sits down at a table with a few chairs around it. You see, she's got a, a big jug of what appears to be moonshine and a pipe sitting out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think she needs any help, but Jack's respectful of, of his elders. He'll, he'll probably, you know, pull her chair out for her, uh, overly formally and then take a seat himself. Yeah. She, she kind of gives you another smile and then kind of stares into your eyes um, and uh, doesn't say anything. Yeah. Um, I think Jack will just get into it, like lets out a heavy sigh. Um, Ma'am, um, now I'm hoping to talk about uh, 
a pretty heavy tragedy, uh, I understand, befell this community. I'm hoping there's some things you're willing to share, but if it's too difficult, too painful, I mean, I'm happy to walk back out that door. I just, uh, I'm hoping you can help save some lives. And she, um, kind of smiles. Says, how do you plan on doing that? Saving lives, I mean. Well, that's the, that's the hard part, right? I've been going around tearing down all these sigils or signs, hoping that'll help somehow. There's this, there's this man, Papa Screech. I, uh, intend to. Oh, foil whatever it is he's got going on before he finishes it. Something about a float from Mardi Gras. I'm just hoping if I can get in the way of it, I can stop it. But I don't have any solid plan. That's part of why I wanted to talk all this through. Screech. Boko. That's the one. Huh. She, um, lights up a pipe and says... A lot of them voodoo folks, a lot of them folks got away from the, the police back in that raid a time ago. Uh, they thought they got most of the leaders. Maybe they did, but they still bad folk living out there in them swamps, though. On pigs and cows and dogs and still turning up missing. And and you can still hear a strange hollering out on the, the hidden lakes in the middle of the night. Screech. He wanted them. Well, these days he's uh seemingly kind of living it up. He's got a very rich man paying his bills, talking about he uh, is channeling the man's dead wife and daughter for him. I don't think he's out here in the swamps too much. Seems like he's uh, been put up pretty well. He out there. I know he out there. What do you mean? That lake. It's the one that haunted. The one they worship. Mm. There were some things I read. Uh, the police report spoke to one of the detectives from that time. He don't seem like his mind's doing too well. But they were trying to bring something forth, channel something. Hmm. The ancient white monster. It's the one the, the kind the natives used to dream about. Uh, I think Jack Goes to say something, stops, rolls himself a cigarette. Uh, probably gets out his flask and offers it to Granny. Uh, ancient white monster. Um, I mean... Uh, what is it? I mean, is that a name? Uh, I'm still... I mean, I'm, I'm... Honestly, I'm just starting to understand or... Maybe not even understands the right word, but believe in all this. A week ago, I was very much a skeptic. She um, re refuses your flask and instead takes a, a hit of her moonshine jug. Oh. She says, they're, they're very much real. 
But a monster is not a name I care to repeat. I understand. I won't push. Um, so why? Why are they trying to bring this monster? Or worship this monster? Some men are just plain evil. Well, you won't get no argument about that. I, uh, have certainly seen plenty of it myself. The, the evil man part, not so much the monsters. Um, I mean, to be blunt, how do we stop it? You stay away. You stay away. Stay away. Uh, no disrespect, but that sounds like, uh, just letting them do what they're doing, and that won't bring any good. Says, um, we lost a lot of people last time. So, a lot of the young folk don't believe the horrors are as bad as they really are, but should anything happen, next time we, we run. But for now, no people gone missing. For now, we just go on living. Yeah, well, there's some wisdom in that. Fair enough. Um, mm, screech. Now, ma'am, I, uh, I don't want to bring anything into your house that's, I don't know the right word for it, bad magic, but he is pasting this symbol up everywhere. Uh, and I guess he'll use, <clears throat> excuse me, like the condensation on the bottle of moonshine to start drawing the symbol. I'm gonna make a roll for our friend Granny. She um, sees you drawing something and she looks at it and she shakes her head. She says, just not like anything I've ever seen. And she goes to wipe it off. Well, uh, listen, they're, they're making this float, uh, painting it with some strange, real bright, almost phosphorescent or fluorescent paint, yellow paint. Uh, and like I said, I, they've been putting this symbol all over town. I've been pulling them down best I can. But this float, when I was looking at it, I, I saw something hard to, hard to describe. Like tentacles reaching out from, from the deep. I don't, I don't know. Scared me. I'll say that. She takes a hit of a pipe and says, um, in, uh, the native cultures, they say that dreams open up new worlds and once those dream worlds are open it's very hard to get them closed some are good some bring healing they bring new comprehensions of reality but uh, others open up to worlds that are best left closed. Like Carcosa? She looks at you for a second and then nods. Like Carcosa. Well, uh, this is... I mean, that's the core of why I came out here looking for some kind of guidance. Um, some real concern that I mean, we talk about them raising this white monster. I think Screech is doing something bigger than that. 
you talk about doors opening. I mean, just seeing that symbol changed something in me. I can only imagine if they... I mean, if they lay up in the streets, biggest party of the year, how many people are going to see that? And I don't know how to stop them. Short of burning the place down before they can finish their float. She um, takes another hit of her moonshine and says, Maybe that's a good place to start. If you see this man, this Boko, you should burn him too. <laughs> but let me warn you, once these worlds enter your dreams, they can stay with you forever. Oh, well, I've got enough bad dreams haunting me to last a lifetime. I, uh, not sure these are that much worse. But, as for Burning Screech, he, uh, he left me a present last night. Nice little snake in my office. I certainly intend to repay the favor. She just nods. Let me ask you one more thing. Um, now I visited, uh, I'm not sure the right, the right name for it, um, uh, a couple little shops. One of the women I spoke to, she was real scared. Screech. She's the first person I heard use that that term you've been saying, Boko. She gave me this, and he like pulls out the the small wrapping necklace. Now I'm keeping it close, as she instructed too. But I mean, does this actually? I mean, is it gonna protect me? <laughs> does this actually have power? I, I feel crazy asking it. She says, "Um, greegrees," and nods. And says, "Uh." You keep that close. Alright, I will. And he tucks back in his shirt, like pats his chest where it's at. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and being so honest with me. Is there anything else you think I should know before I start moving on this? And I will heed your advice. She says, son, whatever you do, be careful. That's the only advice I can give you, really. Thank you. Um, no smile at her. Give her the, the polite nod and begin to stand up. Uh, once he does, kind of look at her and look at the bottle. I'm like, well, you, uh, you certainly don't need an advice from me, but, uh, you keep yourself safe, too, yeah? She just kind of smiles at you. Thank you for your time, man. Um, and he'll go to leave. Yeah. Give me a luck roll as you um, begin to to wander back out. Oh, 36 versus 21. That's a fail. As you're... Um, as you step out, you see, like, you know, a few... Um, a few feet away, a little bit down, um, but still... You know, just just outside of earshot, um, you see this the man who led you there, just kind of waiting, watching, and watches you return, uh, and uh, he gestures, you know, to to lead you back out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jack will wonder, like, was he just standing out there this whole time, not saying anything, just you know, walk over to him. Appreciate you uh, introducing me to Miss Goodrow. He nods. Says, yeah. No problem. Let me ask you something. Hmm. Now, 
I won't I will lie, she advised me to uh to not go out there. But if I was wanting to uh go a bit deeper in the swamps, go to what she called the hidden lake, where all this all this stuff went down. Now how would I go about doing that? He says some You can't take the boats out there anymore. Too much high ground nowadays. But if you don't mind going on foot, you can find your way up through there, through the trees and up to the lake. Mm. Yeah, I just might do that. Uh, I mean, I'd hate to uh, ask too much of man I just met, but would you or anyone else around be interested in guiding me? I'd pay. He, uh, sort of a frown comes across his face and he shakes his head. So I don't want nothing to do with that place. Yeah, my apologies. Might have overreached. A lot of, a lot of bad feeling about there. Well, perhaps if you can just point me in the right direction. Yeah, he, um, sort of leads you up to an area where you can see some sort of high ground through the swamps and a little path. Um, it kind of leads through some trees. They get tied up, but there's a path winding through them. Um, and he says, uh, yeah, uh, let's head out this way. You see, curve around to the left. Just be careful. Stick to the high ground. Don't get lost. Take you maybe an hour. All right. Well... Don't get lost. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. All right. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, Jack, I know this is, you know, a faux pas, but like, especially in the time, Jack's going to pull out like five bucks and go to hand it to him. Um, he looks at it and he takes the, the money and sort of looks at you as he sort of holds it in his hand for a second. This is, uh, thank you. This Awfully kind. Well, I appreciate you sharing what you have. Uh, thank you. And he'll get ready to head off. Nice. Um, yeah, give me a, a navigate roll, please. All right. Oof, 53 versus 10. That is a fail cool um yeah you know it's there's a path so the path itself is um easy enough to follow but there are a few moments where as you're trying to stick to the high ground you find yourself kind of falling into sort of knee-deep mud areas that that look like solid ground that end up being you know thickets of grass and sort of fall and you know, end up with mud now on your arms and sleeves as well. So you're making your way through through this area, starting to get a little starting to get a little worn down and tired as you're following. Goddamn swamp. Where the fuck would anyone live out here? Mumbles to himself. <laughs> <laughs> give me um give me another luck roll, please. Alright. Oh, so close. Twenty-three versus twenty-one. That's a fail. Yeah, as you um, are walking through and you, you sort of stumble and fall down into another little area of uh, like a little underwater hole, you 
end up stepping into a hole and drop completely and are completely submerged underwater. This is hole is taller than you as you drop down into the thick water and mud. Oh, shit, yeah. Give me a con roll, please. Oh, my God. That's 92 versus 80. Uh... Yeah, as you sort of sink and drop under, you just begin flailing and flailing and you feel yourself sinking deeper into this into this hole. And as you sort of begin to fall down, uh, roll me a d3, please. All right. That's three. So as you begin to sink down, you take three points of damage as, you know, this thick mud and quicksand kind of begins to fill your lungs as you're flailing around, trying to pull yourself out. Yeah, I mean, I think Jack is just gasping for air. Uh, getting nothing but swamp water. Give me a strength roll to try and pull yourself out, please. Oh, 60 versus 50. That's fail. Oh, no. 60 versus 50. Give me another con roll, please. Ah, there's a 7 versus 80. Extreme success. Hey, there we go. So you don't take any damage this round. That's fine. As you're trying to grab onto things, maybe your, your, your head gets just above water, just enough to take a breath, and then you begin to sink back down again. Give me another strength roll, please. Ah, 39 versus 50 success. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, you manage to grab onto the side of some, some roots and vines, squeeze your hands around them, and begin to flex and pull yourself up out of this little hole. Yeah, uh, I mean, once Jack has back on solid ground, gasping for air. Uh, he remembers that whole stick to the high ground. Probably starts laughing. Because, uh, man, he's like, I, I just about died just falling in the swamp. Uh, gonna grab, like, whatever fairly large branch I can nearby. Uh, and Beautiful. Start tapping that in front of me as I walk once I'm, I'm able to get back up. So you start doing that as you're sort of um, making it uh Maybe a little bit more, takes a little bit more time, but um, at least uh, you feel a little bit safer with this stick in your hands as you begin continuing to follow this path through the swamps. Um, you know, there are deep bits and there are bits of high ground. You can see that this once, obviously when the lake was uh, higher, would have been a river. You would have been able to take a boat all the way out here, but over time... Uh, turned mostly little swamps and pools, pockets of water. A little bit over an hour of doing this, of walking through. You know, you see some wildlife, some gators, some snakes, but you manage to avoid them. Maybe another half an hour of sort of wandering through and you see a little pocket up ahead, sort of like a grove in the trees. You don't see the lake yet, but you see a little pocket of what appear to be ruined huts on stilts. Maybe just over a dozen of them. Yeah. Uh, is it quiet? Give me a listen roll. Oh, 100 versus 55. That's that's a fail. That's, that's a big fail. Yeah, you are trying to listen and you've still got, like, pockets of water and mud in your ears. Yeah. Um, I think he's pretty shaken from near drowning and was already real paranoid. Um, he's going to old hoster his weapon. Kind of take a look at it, make sure it's not too waterlogged, and start slowly walking towards the, the huts quietly. Yeah, no problem. 
I guess give me a stealth, please. Uh, 18 versus 55. That's a hard success. Yeah, great. You kind of have got a feel for the high ground now. You lose the stick and sort of, you know, get a little lower and uh, begin making your way closer towards these ruined huts, keeping low and keeping quiet. As you follow this, uh, yeah, this path and get a little closer to these huts out here, don't seem to be anyone around at this time of the morning. You can give me a spot hidden or another listen if you like. Yeah. Um, well, let's go spot hidden. Ah, 24 versus 50. Hard success. They seem to be old, rundown, abandoned. Um, but you don't hear or see anyone moving. But as you sort of look out and you see the path continues on past these huts and curves around further to the left through some more trees, you do actually see some signs of like footprints out in that direction. You'd have to get closer to see, you know, how old they are. But um, yeah, it does look like there's a bit of a trail where people have been moving. Yeah, I think as he weighs whether he's going to go deeper, I mean, he's already out there. Uh, He's going to take a minute and poke around in these huts, see if anything is any, you know, any weird symbols or any statues like the one in the photo or in the the shop, kind of try to get a feel of the place. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The first hut that you come to as you step in, uh, you see etched into the wooden doorframe is uh, a little, the symbol, the yellow sign. Not yellow, just scratched in. Oh, man. Uh, flips out his pocket knife and slashes a line through it. <laughs> yeah. You begin to, to carve it off. Um, as you poke your head inside this first hut, um, there seems to be like a little straw bed uh, and a few muddy rugs. You can give me a spot hidden if you like. Oh, 82 versus 50. That one's a fail. Yeah, that's all you can see. All right. I mean, seeing the symbol, it's connected. It's obviously involved. I mean, as uh, Granny Goodrow said, anyway, um, and obviously people have been staying here. He's just assuming they're just out for the day. Maybe they're fishing or something. Um, but yeah, I think he kind of screws up his courage and uh, starts following those footprints. Yeah, are you going to pop in any of the other huts? I guess you will be walking, oh, yeah, you'll be walking yeah. past them. You'll need to walk past. This was the closest one. You'll need to walk past more of them. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll... I think he'll just dip his head in each one, see if anything catches his eye. One of them, um, even before you, you dip your head in, catches your eye. Uh, because hanging above the doorway is a skull, a human skull, sort of swinging in the wind, um, painted with the yellow sign on it. Oof. Oh, man. Um, shit. Yeah, he, curiosity is going to get the better of him. He opens the door. Yeah, as you step into this ruined hut. This one has several, several muddy rugs sort of all over the floor in the doorway where people have been wiping their feet. Give me a spot hidden, please. Uh, 85 versus 50, that's a fail. No problem. Um, Yeah, it's strange. It doesn't make sense to you. It looks like people have wiped their feet before entering this hut, but there aren't any 
beds or anything else in here or, or anything like that. Uh, um, is it just empty? I mean, I guess I filled the spot hidden, but... <laughs> if you want... You can spend a bit more time, if you want to, actually stepping in and kind of having a closer look as you investigate this hut. Mm, yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, I already dropped my stick. I was going to say he, like, wedges the door open, but... Yeah, I think he'll just uh, step in further, start looking around, keep his pistol up to ready. He's probably uh, low-key freaking out. Yeah. As you sort of move in and begin looking, there are still some footprints like on the floor. It looks like people have wiped their muddy boots before walking further in, but you can still see a little bit of dried, tiny bit of dried mud walking up to a certain part of the wall. And as you walk up to the wall you see um, a series of lines and symbols actually scrawled across it in like a door-sized archway. I'd say between the skull outside and this, Jack's kicking himself for not carrying his camera, although it would have been ruined in the swamp anyway. Um, True. Take a minute, try to study some of those, uh, you know, this, I don't know what to call it, occult doorway. Um, <laughs> see what he can make sense of this because it sounds like just from a glance it looks like somebody just walked through the wall I mean that's what it looks like it looks like a some kind of door or gate etched into the wall and it appears as though people have just stepped through it yeah uh, he'll take out his uh, pocket notebook which is probably fairly waterlogged uh, but do his best to kind of lay the pages up against some of these symbols um, and do the whole like leaf rubbing thing like just mark across the page real fast so it imprints the symbols yeah you um you do like a little what's it called when you like a rubbing yeah yeah along these symbols on your page definitely um and with that done i think you know he has no idea um how he would continue investigating this scene or, or what it is. Uh, so I think he's going to, you know, slowly step back outside, get to the door and kind of listen for a second, make sure that nobody's walked up in the time he's been in this building, but head back out. Yeah, of course. Give me a um, another listen roll, please. Ah, 31 versus 55. That's a success. It seems empty. Seems empty at this time of morning. Yeah. Steps back out. Um, takes another look at that skull. Yeah, and you see this yellow sign painted on it. Again, almost glowing as you stare at it. Mm. I think he takes off his, uh, his wet coat. Uh, kind of tries to grab down the skull and wrap it in the coat and throw it over his shoulder to take out with him. Yeah. No problem, yeah, you yank it off the uh, the strings holding it up, wrap it up, and uh, I guess carry it tucked under you with the, the coat tucked under your arm as well. Yeah. And uh, begin following the path that continues on. Yeah, I, I, again, I think especially after seeing a human skull um, and that room with the weird markings, he's even more on edge. Um you know, palpably, like, uh, about to snap stress-wise. But we'll absolutely follow the footprints. Yeah, no problem. 
you follow this path that that leads off through a thick thick growth of weeds and and rushes and 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 trees. Um, the path then winds along, and finally you see it the the shore of this still stagnant lake, which kind of seems to stretch without end into the mist. The path itself, as you see the the shore of the lake to your right, as the path carries on, it comes to like a little copse, like a little grove surrounded by trees and what seems to be a um, a strangely uh, barren sort of clearing of ground uh, atop a low hill. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, this far in, it's not time to turn back yet. Take a minute, stare at the uh, the lake, see if he can try to spot where it does end. But, I mean, you described it as endless, so it's just a moment of pause. Um, and then he'll head up to the top of that kind of barren hill. Yeah, give me either an education or an intelligence. So you're heading up. The intelligence, that's 43 versus 70 is success. Cool, yeah, nice one. Um, this hill is, is clearly man-made. You see the logs like laid out as a foundation and then the earth has like been spread and packed up, up, up atop it, um, to create this clearing. Um, and atop the hill, as you get closer, you see nine stones like men here's that stand in a V-shaped pattern. Yeah. I think he'll wait until he's back in the in the car to take any notes about this. And again, he kicks himself for not bringing his camera. Um, and yeah, continues approaching. Yeah. I, I think regardless, like, again, he doesn't know anything about the occult, but I think he, you know, has seen enough weird stuff that he's like, this is obviously some kind of ritual site. It's definitely a ritual site as you wander up to the top of this, this low sort of this clearing and this artificial hill in the middle of this clearing. Um, yeah, these stones uh, in this perfect V formation. Um, they're all kind of large, like you wouldn't be able to carry them by yourself um, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I think he avoids walking like direct center of uh, kind of that V on the top of the hill, but will Probably walk the back side of the stones and try to get a look at them. Probably like from across, you know. Yeah. They don't appear to have any sort of symbols or anything etched in them, but they're all very sort of uniform in their, not completely, they're still natural, but quite uniform in their sort of size and shape. Yeah. Um, Again, I think Jack has one of those moments where he kind of struggles with himself about like, do I believe all this shit? Do I not? Um, and then, you know, realizes his own trepidation um, and gulps with the thought of, oh, I do. I absolutely do. Um, and will kind of touch the stones. So you reach out and touch them. You know, they just feel cold and uh, a little damp from the, the mist and the humidity. Yeah. All right. I guess this is where he's going to get weird. Um Step back, we look for, again, a fairly large branch, something that looks hefty. Um, and if he finds something, he's going to put the skull, like, in the center of the V and smash it. Okay. Yeah, you um, you head off to where the trees are and, and, and manage to find an old branch, like a big heavy branch that's fallen, a bit of heavy wood, um, and walk back to the hill. 
place the skull down in the center of this uh, of these uh, men here's. And I guess, uh, yeah, <laughs> as you sort of stare at the skull, give it a huge whack. Roll me a strength roll. Ah, 16 versus 50, hard success. Yeah, you bring down this this uh, large bit of wood, smack this skull dead in the center as it cracks. And are uh, you just going to just pummel this thing to smithereens? Yeah, I think he just starts taking out some of the, the stress and tension on it, give it a couple cracks, probably like... You know, lets out a, like, fuck you screech kind of thing. Um, because in his mind, he's doing something that's, like, desecrating this place. So it's, I, I think, the only way he can understand that maybe he's fighting back. He's probably not at all, but he, he thinks he is. Yeah, you just continue beating on this skull until it's nothing but shards of bone and teeth. And, you know, you sort of begin to lose your breath. And then you're just standing there in silence. Nothing but the sound of the, the, the breeze, really. Yeah. Uh, throw the, you know, giant log. Wipe off like the sweat of exertion, whatever. Um, this coat's too wet and filthy to put it back on at this point. So throw it over his shoulder. Um, get his weapon back in hand again. And then start to head back. Yeah, no problem. You know the way, so I won't ask for another navigate roll. You just um, wander through. It takes you about another hour and a half. So you sort of traverse back through the swamps and emerge back to the, the swamp communities, the civilization, I guess. And, um, yeah, you see um, almost not waiting for you, but close by as you are. Uh, finally make it to, to some of the, the wooden pathways, um, that same gentleman watching you, you know, muddied yeah. <laughs> emerging from the, from the swamp. Obviously, having not, you know, been able to stick to his advice. <laughs> kind of give him a nod. Um, certainly saw some strange things out there. He nods. So, did you find what you needed? Yeah, well... I don't know, but at least now I'm real comfortable that all this is tied in together. All this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Death of Reporters, what got me onto all, it, essentially this case I'm looking into to begin with, but I, as I expressed to Granny, I think something real bad's going to happen in Mardi Gras. Something similar to what happened here at 07. Uh you ever see people come and go from there? Other than me, of course. He shakes his head. Uh, I'm just going to make a roll. He says, um, nah, seen? Nah, but somebody others say I'm crazy, but I definitely heard something out there. Yeah, Miss Goudreau said the same. What's it sound like? Sound like strange hooting. Howling, hollering, voices. Well, I mean, that lines up. They've got some kind of altar out there. There's definitely a couple people sleeping out there. A couple shacks. Uh, yeah. I mean, gonna sound ridiculous from a man who just trudged my way out there, and you already said y'all avoid it, but yeah, that probably seems the wisest thing. Okay, well, 
and I'll see you to visit. <laughs> well, thank you all for having me. Um, y'all got a phone out here? Uh, give me a luck roll. Two versus 21 extreme success. <laughs> nice. Uh, he says, yeah, I got a phone in my place. We need to make a call? Uh, no. He jots down his number and the number of, uh, like, the reporter who set him on all this. Uh, Charlie, I think. Um, and just says to him, look, I don't think you're crazy. I think you know exactly what's going on. And, uh, you see anything? You hear anything? You call me. Well, if you can't get a hold of me, you call this man. He'll call me. He'll, he'll get me out here. Uh. I mean, I know y'all can handle yourselves, but if you ever need anything, call us up. Yeah, so you give him your number and, and Charlie Sundstrom's number. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, no problem. He um he takes the paper from you and looks at it and looks at you and he says, thank you. Yeah, look after yourself. Um, Kind of pat him on the shoulder, you know, in, in a friendly manner, trying to be somewhat reassuring. Uh, and then head back towards the car. Yeah, and as you, you know, get in and begin to drive away, uh, it just starts a, a little bit of light rain, you know, begins to, to pour down. So what is the plan from here? There's still a couple of days until Randall Fowler's uh, big party, his big masquerade ball. Yeah, um, well, like a definitely a minor thing he'd want to do fairly quickly, probably even today before he heads back to the office, is return the figurine uh, and see if he can buy that bust, or if uh, once shown the photos of what happened in the swamp, if uh, the guy would just give up the bust to him. Um, oh yeah. Lay things out in the office. And I think beyond that, yeah, I, I think it depends on um, how the next day goes, like if he sleeps, if he <laughs> basically gets attacked again um, but he's probably going to start leaning towards burning down that warehouse before Mardi Gras yeah nice so you're going to head back to um, visit Rodrigo Vargas at uh, Abaddon's antique shop yeah yeah no problem so you drive yeah back to back to the city back to civilization and uh, to the French Quarter over to the Avedon Antiquarian Gallery and uh, yeah, as you as you pull up, um, you know the shop is open, the lights are on. Um, you can see in through the windows. As you head in, you see uh, your friend Rodrigo Vargas uh, in there taking care of business. So he looks up at you, says, "Oh," and he looks down at your suit. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? Are you okay? Oh yeah, I just thought it was a good time to uh, acquaint myself with the swamps. He just looks extremely confused. <laughs> he didn't. He, Jack didn't say anything else about it. Uh, just kind of smiles at him. Um, but first thing he asks is, uh, "How's uh, how's our friend doing?" Uh, better. He's been eating. Still not back here at work, but um, he's doing better. Well, one step at a time. If he's eating, that's good. That's definitely good. Um, listen. Here's figuring back. Um, and it's probably all wrapped up in his handkerchief still. 
that as as he had put it in the dashboard. Oh yeah, good. Yeah, it's not covered in mud, thankfully, and not broken. It's still <laughs> yeah. it's still safe and sound. Yeah, yeah. I think last episode I said that he like immediately put it in the dash because he was concerned about breaking it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he he takes it from you and he says, "I hope it was helpful to you." As he places it back on the shelf. Yeah. It, uh, it certainly opened some doors for some conversation. Um, well, I mean, that Bouchard, he's a little gullible, but it was nice enough quality. I, I appreciate the loan. Uh, well, there's a... I mean, you remember the last time I was in here, I asked you about that that bust. A real creepy one. Um, something I want to show you. And pulls out his, uh, his photo of the photo. Uh, and, like, some of the photos of the files and notes from the, the police precinct. Uh, and just says to him, look, this was tied in with, uh, that cult happening that happened down in the swamps in 07. Uh, now, whoa, ideally, people I've been talking to, this is some, something real bad. I'm not sure you want it in your shop. Um, ideally, I think you just want to get out of here, but I understand you're a man of business. If you want to give me a decent price on it, I'll take it off your hands. But I assure you, and again, I understand as a man who uh, cherishes antiques, you may not want to hear this, but I'm going to destroy it. What? Yeah. And again, Jack starts to think, like, my God, I've lost it, um, as he says this. But he's like, there's a, well, I don't know if you believe in, you know, what do they call it down in the swamps, voodoo, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad I don't know, energy about this and the cult was involved in. I mean, they were killing women and children. You know about that? I have heard the stories, yes. So you mean to tell me that this is, in fact, a piece of New Orleans history? Uh, As he walks over and picks it up and looks at it. Well, the worst kind, but yeah. And you see he pulls out a little uh, pen and goes back to his desk and pulls out a new price tag. <laughs> Jacks up the price. <laughs> and writes $200 on it as he walks back and ties it around. <laughs> I mean, I think Jack laughs, you know, because whatever, what other reaction could you have? Yeah, you know, he's, he's a man of his business. That is the smart call. Um, but after he stops laughing, like Jack will kind of frown um, and look at him and say, look, whether you believe it or not, or I believe it, your friend, uh, he seemed real upset and real concerned about all this. Now, I still have that book, uh, a lot of other things, and you're going to think I'm crazy, but this whole investigation I'm in, it's tied into the occult. It's tied into this cult, and it's tied into a group that's trying to do something similar again, a man named Pop Screech. Uh, I really do not think you want that here. Think about it this way. If something does go down, they start looking around. Obviously, the police are going to show up here. I mean, you're, that's how I found you, is uh, your partner being tied to the occult. Now, they find that statue in here. They might ask uh, a lot of questions. Might cause some trouble for you. I wouldn't want that. He sort of frowns a little and adjusts his glasses. Well, they can ask questions. No, we bought this fair and square from a police uh, police auction. But... You seem particularly worried about this. Give me a um, persuasion with, uh, I'll say, with a bonus die okay. as well. So you can roll and then hit bonus and roll again. 
<laughs> yeah, those are both fails. The first was 99 versus 10. The second is 10 versus, or 40 versus 10. I am not comfortable with you destroying something like this. It is a piece of history. Yes, Doc, I know, but... Uh... Uh, well, I understand why you would be concerned about a piece of the city's history being destroyed. Um, and I could have omitted that, but I'm not going to stand here and lie to you. I respect you. And if I'm being honest, yeah, two, three days ago, no, I didn't believe any of this, but where I'm standing right now, oh yes, there's something to it. He says, um, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to part with this. That's all right. I, uh, I won't twist your arm about it. Just, and again, you, <laughs> you may think I'm losing it. Maybe I am, but just, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe put it in the back somewhere. He sort of picks it up and looks at it. This is, um, maybe. And yeah, he'll, he'll sort of move it to a shelf a little bit, uh, further out of the way with some of the sort of rarer and older items. Yeah. I mean, like, I think Jack feels somewhat satisfied by that. Like, at least it's not. You know, right there where anybody walking through is, again, I don't know the right word, like maybe <laughs> influenced by its dark power. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, Jack smiles. He kind of drops the, the heavy concern. Uh, well, I will say, you're a smart man, and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad our mutual friend's doing better. And yeah, thanks for the loan again. Offers his hand to shake. Yeah, he texts yours and like, "No problem, Mister Cassidy." I'll be, uh, I'll be seeing you around. And listen, maybe the last words of a madman, but you see that symbol, destroy it. It's sort of nods slowly. It's like, don't know if he's he's not quite sure what to make of it, but he nods nonetheless. Yeah, walk back out to the car. Uh, feeling a little bit defeated that he wasn't able to get the uh, the bust, but uh, these things happen. Um, and head back to the office. Yeah, no problem. So what is the plan from here? Just to kind of go over the notes, kill some time waiting for this party? Or is there any other avenues? Are you going to wait till night to head out to this uh, warehouse? Yeah, I think he's going to wash up um, and get prepared. You know, like... he uh, He's never been... When he was a cop, he was never like a good cop. You know, he or maybe at first he was, but he certainly over time became corrupt. So I don't think he has any qualms with the idea of like burning down a building, um, hoping that no one's inside anyway. But also he's not dumb after seeing the muscle and seeing more guys out there. And after, you know, basically <laughs> declaring war to Screech's face, um, he's going to make sure he's got a rifle or a shotgun to make sure he's got like an extra clip for his revolver in case things go real bad. Um, after washing up, wait for the sun to go down and head out. Probably grab some rags to make Molotovs. Yeah, sure, yeah. That's no problem. You um, go into uh, Ed Roy's uh, gun safe and remove his uh, shotgun. I'll add that to your inventory as well. Or what would you prefer? Should I say rifle or a shotgun? Uh, probably probably shotgun. Great. I think he hopes he's not going to use it anyway, but <laughs> but not walking in unprepared. Of course, of course. Um, and yeah, you know, you uh, you managed to suss out uh, a little bit of booze, um, spending your money to do that. Give me a luck roll to see how much you're able to get your hands on, seeing as this is uh, 
contraband and you may be not super well connected in the city. All right, 16 versus 21. If there's anything he knows, it's beautiful. where to get booze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to say you, um, yeah, you managed to, to, to get yourself, uh, you know, three bottles of, uh, I guess like a cheap, uh, cheap bourbon. Yeah. And he'll, he'll probably like, uh, oh, what should I remove from my sheet cost wise? Uh, let's say $4 of cash. All right. I'll remove that. Um, um, and I think just, you know, his, uh, his relationship with alcohol as it is, since he did spend cash on this, he'll probably take a swig out of each bottle before he shoves a rag in it. Yeah, yeah you got to make <laughs> you enough know. room to fit that rag in there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a uh, question. Hmm. He's not going to, I mean, ideally, he's not going to be trying to walk over there all geared up like this. Um, that seems very ill-advised but how busy are the streets because i know like each day um as described earlier it's a little bit busier yeah well this is um it's just like fat tuesday so the the parades are um really picking up so the streets are quite full um you might have to wait until sort of wee hours until the party kind of dies down but there's always going to be revelers and stuff out on the streets unfortunately yeah um i mean I think he would want to wait until, you know, pretty late at night anyway, as he doesn't necessarily want to be like, you know, seen <laughs> going to do this. Um, so, yeah, he'll he'll kill some more time, drink some more of the, the booze from the bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Look, look over his notes. Um, give me an intelligence roll as well. Uh, 20 versus 70. That's a hard success. It also occurs to you that a lot of the people in the streets and stuff um, are wearing like little party masks and masquerade masks and things like that. Um, so a good way to, to kind of hide your identity as you're moving through the crowds could be to, to pick up one or two of these masks. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely do that. Um, which also like reminds me that I have that, that special mask to pick up before the party. Uh, yes. Yeah. He'll, he'll get some of the, the Mardi Gras masks. One or one or two, probably two fairly distinct ones. If he's able to get a hold of two like different colored ones. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. They're sort of selling them everywhere. The cheap ones. So just uh, knock a dollar off your, off your cash to pick up a couple of these cheap masks. All right. And, um, yeah, I guess you have a bag. So you're able to, you know, sling that over your shoulder and have these bottles in there and, the shotgun itself is a, a little bit more difficult to to hide, but I'll say that um, perhaps somewhere in your wardrobe or Ed Roy's wardrobe is a long coat. Yeah, I guess he does like the underarm sling to try to conceal it. Um, I mean, it's not a sawed-off ten gauge; is probably a pretty pretty long gun. Um, but yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, it's going to be a little awkward. But um, if you want to bring it with you, nonetheless, might just be a little difficult to conceal. But um, you know, you can just uh, walk walk a little more stiffly through the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Are you sort of going to drive part way there and and park the car somewhere nearby, or are you just going to walk the whole way? Yeah. No, I think he's going to drive um, as far as he can, like as as close to the warehouse as he can, even if it's just you know maybe two blocks away, and park, uh, and then walk the the last block or two. Yeah. No problem. However far it needs to be. It's a lot later in the evening now. It's um, after midnight, so probably between 2 and 3 a.m. when most of the partying has died down. So it's a little easier for you to get to, you know, nearby um, as you pull the car over and sort of begin, you know, taking everything that you need from it. 
um, put on a little mask over your face and uh, begin wandering over towards the warehouse. Yeah, before he does anything, um, kind of as a throwback to the, the second time he visited, it'll take just a minute to like look around, see if he sees any guards moving through the windows or if the place seems busy. This time of night, I think he's hoping it's not, but let's see. Yeah, give me a spot hidden, please. Oh, eight versus 50, extreme success. Yeah, you spend a little bit of time staking the place out. It doesn't look like the office light is on, but you do see the movement of uh, the one-armed guard, as in the one the one single armed guard, not, a, not the guard with one arm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I got you, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well... Yeah, I think he kind of wrestles with it for a minute um, and just hopes this guy goes running instead of leaving himself inside. Uh, and yeah, Jackal get in position where he can see the door, like a clear clear view of the door and uh, the closest window and light one of the rags and give it a chuck through the window. All right. As I said, these windows are about seven foot up and they're not huge. So, um... You can get closer to give yourself uh, a bonus on this roll, or you can stand at a safe distance and make the throw uh, just at a regular. Mm. Well, there's no point in it if I miss, so I guess he'll get a little closer than he feels comfortable. Yeah. Are you going to almost wait until you know the guard is in a different corner of the... uh, the warehouse the one you're throwing or are you going to throw sort of in the area that you know him to be no I think he he is not intending to murder this guard he's intending to burn the building down but he is hoping this guy is smart enough that he'll go running so he's not going to like aim at the guy he's going to aim for away from him as best he could aim yeah and I assume you're aiming for the main warehouse part where you know all the paint and floats and stuff to be absolutely yeah of course yeah absolutely alright If you flick over to your combat sheet, the combat part, it uses your throw skill. So you can either make a throw or click there on Molotov Cocktail. And let's see. And uh, I'll say this one will make with a um, bonus. Okay, first one. Oof, that's a 45 versus 20. Let's see if I can do better on that bonus. Nope, 34 versus 20. Um, hmm. That's a pretty big swing. You do have three of these as well. I guess that's true. Um, well, before he chucks another, which I guess he probably will, how does that go down? Because as described, I'm probably a little bit too close. Yeah. So you you light this thing and hurl it towards this window and you see it kind of hits the lip of this window and explodes. But most of the fire... Um, is just kind of in the area of the wall there. Sort of half outside, half inside. I am going to roll a listen for our guard friend. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's, he's heard that. Shoot. Yeah, as you hurl this, as it goes up, you hear um, some shouting coming from inside part of this building. Are you going to try and make a second shot? Oh, yeah. I mean, the minute he hears shouting, he, he doesn't miss a beat. He takes the second throw. Go for it. Uh, uh, 
with bonus again. With bonus again. <laughs> All right, that one I'm going to use luck on. Uh, it's a 23 versus 20, so it's a fail, and I'm going to swing that by the, the three points. Beautiful. This time you throw it and get it clearly in the hole that you just made. You can see the light spilling out from the other windows now as the fire's clearly made it in there. As you see it go up. And you hear shouting coming from now directly in that room, in that warehouse. And footsteps. Yeah, I think uh, he's going to take like a couple big steps to make sure that he's he can see the door but he's like next to the door like when the, the door swings open assuming it swings open he's not directly standing in front of it he's kind of off to the side uh, cock the shotgun oh yeah so you're gonna you're gonna wait for this guy to to rush out yeah that's the hope yeah awesome set the set the last Molotov down next to me like right right next to his feet uh, and cock the shotgun and wait yeah, beautiful. Not lit. I imagine you just place it down and you stand next to the door. Yeah, just place it down. Beautiful. Uh, give me a stealth, please. 23 versus 55. That's a hard success. Beautiful. I'm going to roll a spot hidden for this guy. That's okay. He got a hard success as well, 12 versus 40. But seeing as that's just on par, you hear like the jangle of the chain moving. The doors throw open and he rushes out onto the street and looks around and there is just an instant where he turns and begins turning to face you but you have a moment to react beforehand and there's <laughs> the minute he like the minute the door swings open probably it take a step forward um, and as soon as he turns he just sees a barrel of a shotgun in his face excellent get the fuck out of here is all Jack's gonna say roll me an intimidate and with a bonus as well he caught this guy by surprise. Ah, that's a six versus 15. Hard success. Hard success. Amazing. You see he sort of thinks for a moment about grabbing the rifle around his side. Drop it and run. This ain't dying over. Yeah. yeah. He takes a step back and this little sling of this rifle over his shoulder, he drops it, hits the ground and he turns and runs. Give me a luck roll, please. <laughs> uh, my luck is down to 18 now That's <laughs> 65 versus 18 that's a fail as he rushes off off into the distance um, like rushes off into the street you see two revelers you know party goers on the corner there turning now as they sort of point and shout at the fire behind you yeah I think uh, Jack doesn't even care he's gonna grab that last Molotov since the door is hanging open um, and their rifle and chuck both inside and then go running. Yeah, nice one. Alright, as you turn and you begin to run. Not sure if they've seen you, but you were wearing a mask as you rush off in the other direction towards your car. And that is where we're going to leave this episode for now. Yeah. All right. Already looking forward to next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. You've uh, successfully dealt with the problem of the uh, some of the yellow signs in the warehouse. Ah, uh, just some minor arson, you know. Yeah. Nothing standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. See you next time. Yeah. See you next week, man. Mm-hmm.